When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. Just like your family treats you, find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Walk through your thought process on taking the meeting before the last. Yeah, I mean that's. I'm not even going to get into that. That's. I have zero thought of of uh, running the ball and taking an op- the chance of fumbling the football or, you know, they know you're running the football, so you lose three, four yards. So, that's uh, that wasn't even in the in our process as coaches to think about that. Um, you know, we 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 were in field goal range before the scramble, and then we got the scramble. So that's that's that didn't even cross my mind. What. Uh, there is a disease that has spread amongst NFL coaches. Matthew Collar, Sage Rosenfels here on Purple Daily. And uh, Sage, it's called the game management disease. And maybe there's a shot that they could take for it or a class to help them understand it. But head coaches and game management, I discovered this yesterday from watching many football games, which I usually don't get a chance to do because I'm usually covering the Vikings. How many coaches in the league just struggle mightily with understanding the basic numbers and the basic statistics and probabilities to help them make better game decisions. And Matt Nagy, with, in my mind, an all-time hilarious bad decision, having first down a minute to go, you could get closer, you could possibly score a touchdown, and he says, nope, I'm going to have my quarterback intentionally go backwards and make this harder on my dopey kicker who is kicking at one of the hardest stadiums to kick in who is not good at kicking and had to win a competition of a bunch of guys off the street to even be here because they couldn't find a kicker. And of course they deservedly miss in that situation. And I just thought it was, I just thought it was so well deserved that Eddie Pinero missed because of how ridiculous that decision was by Matt Nagy. That, uh, was not a good decision. And there's a, there's a couple things that go into this Chicago situation as, as I'm looking at it. And I feel like every week we're learning a little bit more about Matt Nagy. Right, you you don't learn a lot when when teams win. Sometimes you actually learn about uh, their failures and 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 the cracks in the armor when they lose. In this situation, I feel like we're learning things on the field that I find fascinating, mm-hmm. and we're learning things now in press conferences that remind me of Brad Childress. Really? There, yeah, there's this sort of like you know, I'm not going to let you convince me that I'm wrong. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. Right? I'm not going like. 
Uh, of course, you're going to ask that question of couldn't we could couldn't we have made it a shorter field goal? But I'm not going to even give that a really answer because that's a ridiculous question when it's not a ridiculous question no. that a lot of people are asking. But to sort of like I'm going to he's going to sit there and um, um, never say he was wrong type of thing right. or or whatever. And it also showed to me this: he is playing with a quarterback who is in his third year, who is struggling mightily and the game before they threw 54 passes okay he is maybe the worst player of course it's hard to judge all the offensive line and stuff like that individually but he is the worst probably player on the offense they've got playmakers a receiver they've got good running backs i actually like their tight ends he is he is struggling and but he also believes this if we hand the ball off we're going to lose four yards all right, he said that. We're going to lose three or four yards. Well, kneeling down, you, you lose one yard. So he feels so terribly about his running game that he knows we're going to lose four yards. So why would I even risk giving the ball uh, you know, to my running back? I, I bet you that is like a defeatist attitude. Imagine with the message that's sending to your offensive line. Hey, if we actually put the game in your hands a little bit to help us just get a couple yards or maybe break one, mm-hmm. we think you guys are going to basically not block somebody and we're going to lose three or four yards. By the way, David Montgomery, 27 carries, 135 yards, five yards a carry. And isn't it his thing to be able to dodge he tacklers? Is a, he is a grinded out guy. Right. And he had a big game yesterday. They actually lined up with the quarterback under center for a while there almost looked like a little vikings football there was a fullback in the game uh he averaged like eight yards on uh on these fullback runs like in, in the at the end of the being the second half and they said like we're just going to run the football the end of the first half no one's even talking about because that is uh there was a third and nine third and goal from the nine at the end of the first half and they ran a sweep they ran a sweep on third and nine to kick. So they decided to kick a field goal, basically, not even give it a chance of the quarterback throwing the ball to the end zone. It's like, what are they doing over there? And um, and, and at the end of the game, to not think that a couple yards is going to help your kicker out, as you said, in Chicago, um, a young guy, and there's that long history there. Why not make it easy on yourself? And, and off here, you're talking about the statistic difference between a 35 yarder and a 45 yarder is like 20 percent, from 91 percent to to 71 percent. Yep. So there's every reason to try to push that ball forward and, and advance it, and and shoot. even a quarterback sneak would have made sense. A quarterback sneak where you're even centering the football or something right, like right. that and trying to get to your spot. There was really no strategy there of, of, of just kneel it. Of course, yes, the kicker should make the kick. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, the, the coach should make the right decision, and it seems like he's making a lot of bad decisions uh, in, in that loss yesterday. That one with the field goal should be so basic to me that I, I guess if I owned a team, or I was a general manager, I would have to ask the coach, how do you not know this? I mean, you know all these well, things about stats, football, but how do you not know this? You, you're such a, you are such a, and a lot of people are, they're so stats oriented because that's the real thing you can really go off of. And coaches sort of go off of gut feelings sometimes. And many times they're right. I mean, gut feelings and, and obviously knowledge and history of doing it for 20 years or 30 years. Uh, there's absolute truth. And of course, that's, that's extremely important. That's the most important, but to not, 
understand the other side of just um, you know what are the percentages playing the actual percentages yeah. and not just the gut. And a lot of people, the media play the percentages because you're constantly looking up stats and looking at these different things. And, and coaches aren't always doing that because they, they have other things on their plate. Um, and uh, obviously, I think Matt Nagy, you know, Brad Childress is the offensive assistant in Chicago. Maybe that should be his job is to look at the percentages of when you kick a 35-yard field goal and compared to a 45-yard field goal. I have long said that they should have someone who played Madden all the time be the guy that they ask what to do in these situations. Because I think about... just if you Is follow, Rick Spielman listening to yeah, this? I know. If you follow, but if you follow it down that path, think about how many games, like how many game situations that are all the same as real NFL games that a Madden player has been in that would know how all this stuff works. Clock management. They would have well, a thousand simulations. Lot, if you play a lot of Madden, you're correct. You, I mean, imagine like if you're in the NFL as a quarterback for 10 years, you've only played 116 games. Right. You can that's do like, that in a weekend. That's your weekend. <laughs> right. right. Exactly. Right? So imagine the number of situations you've put yourself in over those years. And I'm sure for the most part, you, based off the stats, have always done the right thing in right, Madden. Right. And, and right. If you're a really good player, you would understand how to manage the, the timeouts when you get near the two minute warning. Like, how should we use them? Before should we use them? After what, like where should we punt? Where should we go for it? I mean, question: I'm, Are the onside percentages in Madden about equivalent when you recover them to the NFL? Yeah, it's I'm all, guessing it's that has a, a lot to do with the the machine just saying, "Okay, we're going to allow the the kicking team to get this one." Right? I mean, there's a percentages thing there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh like seven percent now. I mean, it's all, it's almost impossible to get an onside kick now. It used to be like twenty percent. No, I'm talking about Madden. The rules. In Madden, no, or in, in, in Madden, it's always been very difficult. It's almost okay. been impossible in any video game with so football. My, so seven percent onside. Maybe kick. the NFL is actually trying to create rules to follow Madden's tendencies <laughs> because they have so much to go off of. Uh, but you know, it just amazed me though with that game. You should know that as a coach that a thirty yard a thirty yard field goal and a forty yard field goal have a massive difference in the percentage that you can make them. I mean, think about the extra point. They put the extra point where, yeah, some guys miss them, but they're usually a 90% thing. You move it back past 40 yards, and then it goes down to 70%, and that's probably even lower with a bad kicker and a bad search, uh, into, circumstance. Into a north end zone in Chicago. Right. 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 Uh, in late October. Uh, and, and I believe it wasn't a, a beautiful uh, weather day in Chicago. So I imagine there was some wind up there. And the ball actually came out looking beautiful. It was right, right down the right. middle and then just got taken over by a gust from uh, from, from Lake Michigan and it being wide left. And what, would you say Matt Nagy is on the hot seat? A year after, I think he was the coach of the year last he year. He was, yep. And they went to the playoffs. Is Matt Nagy on the hot seat? I don't think that there's any doubt about it that he is. I mean, you can't go from being 12 and four to completely out of the race right now, which is how I look so at it. So it really is a sort of a similarity to a Brad Childers situation is possibly a year after going into the playoffs and having a really good football team, uh, which we did in 2009 and 2010. He would, he was fired mid season. He didn't yep. even make it to the end of the year. Uh, I, can't imagine Nagy being fired midseason, but there are a lot of people online that really, I mean, Bears fans are very passionate. That, by the way, this is also sort of a slap in the face. This whole offense, I know, like, you know, Chicago Bears offense doesn't have to be boring and old school and four yards right. in a cloud of dust and Walter Payton style. And, but I do think that the, the Chicago Bears fans appreciate that at least, right? And this offense is, if we try to run the football, we're going to lose three or four yards. 
Um, that is like, so like every, it's everything that's against the classic Chicago Bears fan mentality. And I think the, the fans usually give a coach a longer leash mm-hmm. if they like, they like him as right. a, as a person, as a coach, as a style of football. And they, somebody that throws the ball over the field. I mean, you know, that's for those Southern schools in Texas and in Arizona and, and the Pac 12. That's not Chicago Bears football. And for that, for him to say that, sort of admit that, that he doesn't trust his offensive line, I thought was a little shocking. Uh, it sort of reminded me of long order where they'll put the person on the stand and then they'll accidentally basically uh you know tell the truth or whatever like by accident just answering questions that's kind of what Nagy did like he sort of admitted how clueless he was in that situation or how scared he was in yeah, that situation of having it go wrong and you're like wait well how often does this guy even fumble like is he going to fumble twice or three times this year maximum I mean and even if you do fumble you've got a 50-50 shot to pick it up so what are the odds that you lose a fumble handing off to David Montgomery there or even how about the quick passes you'll see the pay Patriots do this all the time, where it'll be a quick slant. If it's not there, Brady throws it into the ground, or it's a little, or even like flat you know, you know it's not bad. A way to throw the football uh, that's you, you, you complete ninety five percent of them is like a wide receiver screen. You know, a team's going to be all right. up in there. Right, throw a wide receiver screen. It may not hit, but it may go far. A team that's blitzing, it's all up in the box, right? So that's another way of like trying to throw a pass without really throwing a pass. You know, you know per se of down the field and dealing with a possible sack or anything like that. Uh, I, I was just thinking. Bill Belichick, let's just say this exact same thing happened with the guru of all coaches. That in New England, they decide just going to kneel down to, and their kicker misses it, and they ask him the same after the after the uh, the game. The press asks him the same question: Did you think about throwing the football in that situation? Did you think about running the football in that situation? How do you think he answers those questions? Well, Belichick, being Belichick, he probably is like no. <laughs> but he also has so, the rings and the I, success, and he's been true. way ahead of the game on. on I think this it's just the opposite. For a long time. I think Nagy you says think he gives an explanation. No, we didn't even think about running the football there. Right? That's what yeah. he said. We didn't even think about it. You know what Belichick says? He would say, "We think about everything. We take oh, sure, everything yeah. into consideration, yeah. and this was our best bet. The kicker has to, to to make the kick, and that's it. Right? And that's sort of the end of it. But for him to actually say, "No, we didn't even think about it. Right." You would think about running the football. That's almost you know you have to look look under every rock and look at every possibility. And uh, and and the, he he wasn't even open to that. And again, that was that reminds me of sort of that stubbornness yeah. that uh, Coach Childers used but to th- have. But this is the underrated part of Bill Belichick and the Patriots is just how often they have been ahead of the game in coaching decisions, in just game management, and playing by the numbers. I mean, there are some times where you'd say, oh, I don't know why they did this or that, but for the most part. I mean, yesterday I'm watching their game against Cleveland, and they're going for it on fourth down in the right spots where you should go for it on fourth down. And then you see later on the night game, Andy Reid doesn't go for it on fourth and three and instead gives it back to one of the greatest quarterbacks in history to just run out the clock on him. Like, okay, Andy, there's another gem. Like, what? I mean, it is amazing to me how watching more games... Because you've been in 30,000 Madden uh, uh, situation, games before, and so you've got so much more experience than them. They should be calling you looking for... You know, looking for tips, and you should have like a. They should have a red phone on the sidelines that goes right to <laughs> right to Matthew me. Collar. Well, yeah. you know who's actually pretty good at these, and I looked at every single one from 2017. I think for an article last year is Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer is actually good at deciding when to punt, 
when to go for it. He called the the decision the other night the worst of his career. I didn't think so. When you're going for it on fourth and one and QB sneaking, that's a ninety yeah. percent play. Yeah, that's. I mean, I understand that it's risky, but look at the other quarterback. Always, he had no way, idea what he was doing. Like, always, even if it, it fails, you're in a good place still. I always love it when you know people talk about quarterback sneaks and they go, "Hey, you know, the quarterback Cam Newton. He's six five, two hundred and fifty pounds. All he has to do is fall forward. He's got two yards." And it's like you realize the difference between a big Cam Newton and a six foot two, two hundred and fifteen pound Kirk Cousins. <laughs> it's really not that much. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. we're talking about three inches here yeah. and like twenty five pounds. Like right. that's not going to be the difference between whether a quarterback sneak works or whether it doesn't right. week. It's just not. So my point is just that Mike Zimmer has been actually pretty good at these challenges, not so much. But there but when to go for it, when not to go for it, when to take risks, he's been pretty good at it. And I'm used to the decisions making a little more sense than some of the ones that did yesterday. And uh, so to your question about Nagy, I was just pulling this up, by the way. Uh, 4.5 yards per play is the third worst in the NFL on offense. Only Miami and the New York Jets are less effective as offenses than the Chicago Bears. So what, then, which, yes, which, that puts him on the hot seat well, as an offensive then, coach. And then when you look back at a year ago, why did the Chicago Bears win, right? Well, if it wasn't because of Matt Nagy, because maybe he's not this offensive guru, uh, maybe it was because that defense was that great and they were phenomenal. You last are correct. Year. And by Vic the way. Fangio, I thought, was they lose him and I, their defense has still been good, but hasn't been as good. And their offense, uh, the weaknesses are all showing. And again, relying on your quarterback consistently to win you football games works. Uh, if you have Tom Brady or it works if you have Drew Brees and you're playing in the dome, but it doesn't work when you have a young quarterback who's been struggling, who's inaccurate, who doesn't always make great decisions outdoors in Chicago to him, you know, for two weeks ago to, for them to do that, throw the ball 54 times. And it just doesn't make absolutely any sense at all. And so maybe we're starting to see like, well, maybe it wasn't, uh, uh, you know, Matt Nagy's brilliance. And again, going back to that children's time. Maybe it wasn't Brad's brilliance that got us to got us to that championship game, or the year before the playoffs. Maybe it's because they had so, we had so much talent on that team, and that's the way I came, that's the reason I came here mm-hmm. is because I was like everyone knew the Vikings were loaded. They had AP in his prime. They had Jared mm-hmm. Allen. They had Pro Bowlers on both sides. They had a a huge offensive line, and that is where you want to go. And that's what shoot, that's why Favre came here too. That's this, this is where you want to go. So maybe it was much more about the the great players. On those teams. And there were some really good coaches on that staff as well. I can't say that, but um, but you know, there's a sort of a it seems like a similarity here. We had a team that was very very good, went to the playoffs, and the next year it seems like a little bit of a a, a dumpster fire at this point. This I think was pretty predictable because last year in terms of yards per play, Chicago was twentieth, but their defense did a great job of consistently putting them in position to score or scoring themselves. Even in scoring percentage on offense, they were 18th. So, like, Chicago got credit for Trubisky not being a garbage fire last year, but there wasn't really anything to indicate that they were a great offense last season. And then when the defense slips even a little from being unbelievably good to just pretty good, all of a sudden, all those issues on offense are revealed. Yeah, and, and listen, I, I love David Montgomery. Obviously, I'm an Iowa State guy, and I thought he'd have a productive NFL career, and then he ends up in this offense where it's like a spread offense, and he's not being used very well, and 
They finally started using him yesterday like a traditional running back, and he came through with fine, flying colors. The offensive line came through with fine, flying colors and, and did a really nice job, and they ran the ball well, and they should have won that football game, but instead they lost, uh, and, and they didn't make a good decision at the end. They missed the kick, and here we are talking about, in a lot of the league, talking about like you know maybe Chicago is a spot that one has a different head coach, but also a different quarterback. And uh, you know that's an interesting team because I do think there's talent there. I think that if I, if I was a uh, an, you know an offensive coordinator, let you know, Kevin Stefanski or maybe I don't know if Gary Kubiak wants to be a head coach again or whatever, but somebody who might be in this circle of of possible hires coming up, I got to think Chicago is one of those teams over. Uh, you know, some of these other, you know, Miami or something, which are your true fires. I, I think Chicago mm-hmm. does have a lot of talent on that roster. Oh, I agree. Uh, but the quarterback position, I think if you're a head coach who might take the job would be the first question you'd have is who's playing quarterback because I don't think it could be this guy. Uh, I, I just, after three years and still not able to consistently accurately throw the football, um, you're not going to be able to do it all with your legs because opponents are going to start to shut that down. We've seen that year after year after year. And with Lamar Jackson, for example, he's had to throw the ball better. And then all of a sudden, you know, he does and that's effective. But with Trubisky, we're also seeing how much was covered up by his ability to take off and run. Now that he's not doing that effectively, I don't think he's an NFL starting quarterback. So if you're a future coach, or even if you're Matt Nagy, maybe that's what you're saying to your owner today or your GM today is, look, I I know you guys traded up for this guy, but I don't know how I'm supposed to win when someone who can't throw the football accurately. So the way I look at Trubisky is, you know, every quarterback has a sort of different skill sets. And, you know, you got the kid in Baltimore, Lamar Jackson, right? Unbelievable runner, really struggled as a thrower last year as a rookie. um, And, He's become a much better thrower going to year two and still is a great runner. Trubisky has never been a great thrower. He wasn't an accurate thrower in college. Uh, the NFL game has been a big jump for him from uh, from North Carolina and their offense in college, which was nothing like a traditional NFL offense. And But his really his best strength is the fact that he's a really good athlete and he mm-hmm. can run. And they run an offense where he's in shotgun, and they're not doing any of that stuff. They yeah. they 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 run a bootleg a game that doesn't even look like a run play that they had. Like there's no marrying the run in the pass, and so you're you're they're asking him to be a pocket passer all the time. And I look at I look at Mitch Trubisky as sort of a Jake Plummer. Jake Plummer was not a good pocket passer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not great in his career. He ends up in Denver and he gets into this Alex Gibbs bootleg system. And I, I don't remember what the numbers were, but I remember when I signed with Houston in 2006 and you know, Kubiak had just gotten there, you know, Kyle Shanahan was our receivers coach and this guy named Mike McDaniel, who's like the, the 49ers run game coordinator, was like a quality control coach. And we we're talking about Jake, you know, we're, we're going to run this Denver Broncos offense. And so we were watching tons of Broncos film and Jake Plummer and all the stuff that they were doing. And he, they were on, they ran bootlegs like every other play. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. I mean, that was their offense. They ran outside zone, they ran bootleg and they ran play action. And then occasionally they go like empty and they do three step type of stuff and get the ball out of Jake's hands. But they try to make the game sort of simple for him and not just have him a guy in the pocket wheeling dealing trying to make, you know, magic happen. And I think that type of offense, the really the, the Vikings offense, Trubisky would have a lot more success and I'd run more bootlegs than play action and the Vikings are sort of uh, reverse on that, and I think that's the right decision to go more play action than bootleg, but they're they're in literally literally the worst offense for Trubisky's skill set. All right, let's uh, take a break here, and I think it's uh, a two-team race, so let's talk about the two teams who are in the race for the NFC North, the Packers and the Vikings, and compare 
uh, after what we saw last night with a win from Green Bay against Kansas City, who the Vikings play this week. And also, you have a story regarding the FBI and a connection to a event in connection with the Vikings. So let's talk about that when we return. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. North Memorial Health has over 400 care providers. That's right, more than 400 care providers and more than 6,000 team members that are dedicated to keeping you healthy. North Memorial Health is proud to partner with the Minnesota Vikings as they work to make Minnesota the healthiest in the league. They're more than a team at North Memorial Health. They're your family. At North Memorial Health, customers are treated like family. Your health family is more than a tagline. It's a commitment to delivering unmatched customer service. That means a big smile when you walk in the door. That means making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It means asking, what else can we do for you? North Memorial Health will treat you like family in a good way. The people at North Memorial Health will team up with you to help you achieve your best health. So step up your health care game today and find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. Once again, that's northmemorial.com slash family. Oh, they have problems in the secondary. They've got it screwed up. They're going to have a defensive end out there. Third and one. Rodgers under pressure again and just has to flip it and it is going to be caught by Williams for the touchdown. Rodgers scrambling, running for his life, throws it up in the air and Williams comes down with it. That was one of the best, if not the best, pass I've ever seen live in person. I, that was incredible. I couldn't believe it. Um, just a great play because he was under duress too. I think he, I know he ended up on the ground. Um, but credit to Jamal, man. He kept he kept working for him, and it was just it was just one of those plays that kind of leaves you speechless. That was Green Bay Packers head coach Matt Lafleur, who is off to a hot start and may end up uh, being the coach of the year this year, as Matt Nagy was last year in the NFC North. Just the Minnesota Vikings' luck. Uh, Matthew Collar, Sage Rosenfels here on Purple Daily. Let me ask you about that throw first, and then we can get into the FBI thing. He was um, thrown it to the tight end. What, he, okay. was, he didn't even know it was so Aaron Jones Cotter, right? So many. It no was uh, way. Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams. There's great theories on this. So some people think he was trying to throw it away and didn't get it all the way. through thrown away other people think he overthrew the tight end and jamal williams just showed up there if i'm aaron Rodgers, i'm like yeah that was exactly what i meant to do do you, i believe what aaron said was he saw the tight end and he saw a player go into an area behind the tight end and he thought if he threw it up if he didn't hit um what's tight end's name jimmy graham jimmy graham who's like six seven played college basketball so if you're gonna throw a jump ball that's the guy yep that he maybe would hit the guy behind him. I think the second half of that is a bunch of BS. <laughs> I think he saw a tall his tall his tight end and said, "I'm going to give him give him a chance," which is a I think mm-hmm. a smart move. And they if, even if it's one on one with any pretty much receiver for the Packers, they all seem to be about six three or six four or six you know taller guys. I would give your guy a chance. I think the running back in the back was complete luck, and that he was happened to be running into that spot. Okay, I, fundamental question: Do you take away points? Being that it was luck involved yes. in one way or another, you do. Yes. Okay, this is like the, yeah, I this, say it's a great a game winner. Way. A game winner half court that banks. Great shot because no one's trying to bank yeah, it. No, in. it's a great shot. Okay, it's a good no, shot. They are Gotta truly trying credit. to bank, uh, uh, bank it in, or they say it in the huddle like, "Hey, I'm gonna try to bank this in." Bank shot. Yeah, no one's got, saying that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. record. No that. one's saying that. That to me is a a more mm. amazing play. See, that I was look pretty much that was pretty much a bank shot. Hey, I. 
I go results over process. Like when it comes to wild plays and stuff, hey, you made it. No what if you take it away from what you. What if you airball it and somebody else dunks it like a lob? Because oh, that's like what that, this um, was. That's what this was. Like this the, was an airball three pointer that your big man caught in the air and yeah. dunked. And you go, yeah, I was trying to do that. When uh, Houston <laughs> won the national championship in college basketball, right? The famous, yeah, the one exactly. where he misses the deep three and he no, just lays uh, it. Uh, NC, NC State. Oh, NC, NC State. State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over Houston, I think. Yes. Right. Yeah. NC State. Anyway. Um, okay, so J. Ron Curse was arrested for driving, uh, well, uh, I guess he was arrested for suspicion of driving while intoxicated, and then also had, uh, allegedly, according to police, a loaded weapon with him, and today he apologized and such in front of the media in the locker room. But that reminded you of a story involving the FBI, so why don't you explain? Well... You know, every year uh, in, in the NFL, in the offseason, sometimes during training camp, the team has special speakers that come in to talk about various things. Sometimes uh, it's NFLPA people. Sometimes it's, you know, somebody from the marketing department that wants to talk about some sort of, you know, big fundraiser thing and what we all should wear and, you know, whatever <laughs> yeah. it might be. Um, there's also always a conversation about guns. And because a lot of players own them a lot of players carry them um you know there's guys worth millions of dollars that are concerned about you know somebody possibly you know, attacking them or whatever and you also have a situation where a lot of people are they grew up around a lot of guns um, and whether they grew up in the country or they grew up in the city that's a part of you know their lifestyle and when i was in miami and Florida has very loose gun regulations in Miami. It's not that hard to get a to own a gun to can have a even like a concealed permit and things like that. It's pretty easy. And the FBI uh, and I feel like the FBI on a couple different teams I was on again five different teams that they would have somebody from the FBI come in. So like a security person with the team who's like there. You know, if a guy gets in trouble, uh, they have to. You know, they're dealing with police and all those types of things. If there's any sort of investigation. There is somebody from the team who's trying to help out. Every team has these type of security people, but they don't give this big speech. But so they have the this in Miami. It was the FBI came in and they recommended that nobody own a gun hmm. on the team uh, because there's something like a 4,300% chance higher uh, 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 4,300%, like 43 times yeah. um, chance somebody in your house will be shot with a gun if you just have a gun in your house. Right. right? Because a lot of those are, you know, a suicide. A lot of those are, you know, a domestic uh, 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 dispute. A kid gets into it on accident, all those types of things. But of course they would say it's your complete right to own a gun. We just recommend that you don't because more often than not, bad things happen with these guns. There is a rule also on any NFL facility, including practice facility or stadium, NFL players cannot bring a gun even in their car to the parking lot. Oh, okay. Into the, they, are, they are no gun zones because they have security everywhere. Um, and so, so obviously the NFL is trying to you know uh, prevent catastrophes from happening, you know, type of thing. And but but the reason they're also giving that speech wasn't just to say like, you know, don't have guns. That, that's not what they're trying to say. What it really was, if you are going to have a gun, we will help you get the proper training. We will help you with these classes. You know, we offer these things, blah, blah, blah. Um, if you're looking for, you know, there's all these different rules with the types of guns. And if you're thinking about buying one, like, we'll, let us help you out with the buyer and background checks and all these types of things. And so um, it was an interesting stance. 
Uh, but yet, despite that, you do on occasion see players driving around. And, and again, it's not super uncommon because I think guys are, they drive really nice cars and, and those, a lot of times those nice cars get targeted, uh, by bad people. And so a lot of times guys are used to carrying guns and still do. And, and obviously it's not, uh, smart to carry one and, Allegedly, possibly have you know marijuana in your car or be or was it was it was a drunk driving? Yes, drunk uh, driving. Suspicion of drinking, suspicion and, of driving. drinking and driving. Yeah. So and that com- that com- that combination uh, is is not good at all. And uh, you know, I guess we'll see what happens with it. So now, what does this mean for J. Ron Curse? I- I've thought of J. Ron as a guy who is unique and could be valuable. He hasn't played a whole lot recently, and I'm sure that he's unhappy with that. Um, but earlier in the year, he played kind of a valuable role of somebody who could be a nickel corner, who could be kind of a linebacker, who can guard tight ends that are taller because he's six foot four, And he seems to have caught on to what Mike Zimmer wants to do with him on defense and be pretty good when he's put in the game, that he's been an effective player. And he's not old. He's a younger player who, I guess, when they make a mistake, then you have to decide which way are we going to go with this. Are we going to say that he deserves a second chance? He's probably going to get suspended well, for this. Or the real question is: is this, is this conversation about how good he is? I like mean, it's like, always the, a factor, right? Well, it, yeah, right. So, which is sort of un, I don't know if that's unfortunate, but that's guess that's the way the business is. Is the more valuable he is, the longer leash he gets to have, and more mistakes he gets to make. Right or how or or the, or the worst mistakes sometimes players get to make, and um, he is he I think he's been a very valuable aspect of this football team part of this team. He's very good on special teams, obviously, probably one of the special teams leaders of the group. And you got to have your sort of like captains of that special team unit yep. as well. They're usually not as known as much as the quarterback. Which he is, or, I think. I think he's the special teams he's captain. captain. So uh, and he has played well on defense when he's you know been been forced into duty, and that's been nice to see. We've talked about him on the show a couple times. He's played some corner. He's played. A little bit of safety. Uh, he's a pretty good tackler. That's why he's on special teams, uh, and he can cover you know pretty well. And he is. He's lanky. I mean, there's not a lot of six four uh, uh, defensive backs out there. So uh, it, it, you know, hopefully you know they can figure this thing out. And and uh, you know, I'd like to see him back on the team. But you know that that's uh, you know dr- drunk driving is no joke. Yeah, it's no joke. And the, yep. and and there is never an excuse for it. But in the days of Lyft and Uber, I yep. mean. Good gracious! All you have to do is spend you know twenty five bucks or whatever it is from downtown to to eat to Egan or wherever he's got to go. I'm not sure where he was going that night, but it's not very expensive. To, you know, I take uh, a, a Lyft or an Uber to the airport all the time uh, from South Minneapolis. It's twenty bucks, all right. And my guess is he's making pretty good money and. Uh, there might even be a system where the team will almost pay for that sometimes mm-hmm. uh, for different uh, uh, services to make sure players get home. So there's no excuse for what he did to put himself in that circumstance. I look at this as when considering that he has not been an issue in any other way and is a captain for the special teams, that a second chance makes a lot of sense. But I also think, too, that the Vikings have done a really good job with this team of putting players and sometimes they'll take risks, and sometimes it will blow up on them, like Holton Hill getting suspended for eight games, but mostly putting guys in the locker room that fit well together, that don't have issues off the field and things like that, for the most part, 
under Mike Zimmer that they have changed a culture of the Minnesota Vikings that had these things happening every time there was a break. We're a long days from the love boat, is what you're trying to say. Yes, that's exactly what I'm trying to say is that, I mean, when you talk to anybody who covered the team 15 years ago, it was every training camp there was something like this. Every time they would get a a bye week, they would have to watch the police block. The Vikings were definitely one of those teams during my career that had its fair share of arrests and off-the-field uh, uh, inconsistencies, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, and that definitely has cleaned up. I think the Wilfs are, are part of that. Obviously, it always starts at the top, and I think they prefer to not uh, have those types of guys and believe that you can win without having troublemakers on the team. The Patriots seem to always find the players that got in trouble somewhere else and <laughs> yeah. are, are willing to give them yeah. um, a, a second or third chance as long as it's a minimum one-year contract. Right. And right. there's great lang- language in it. If you do anything, we can kick you off the team and you know recoup the signing bonus. Right. right? And they, So they, they almost take advantage uh, of that. And there's a lot of hits there. They've done extremely well uh, in that department. But uh, it is nice that the Vikings have you know very few of these situations and usually we're just talking about football. So what do you think happens? That he maybe gets suspended at some point, which who knows when? Well, then there's the league is so inconsistent with these. Yeah, it is inconsistent. And it does seem like Roger Goodell is like the judge, jury, and executioner of the whole thing. And, and you know, I, I, usually the team probably does its own investigation. The league does an investigation. And the team, you know... M- will probably just go with whatever the league says because he wasn't he's not Tom Brady we're right. talking about right yeah. this is not the you know this is not deflate gate where the team fully black <laughs> back their quarterback uh, my guess is that they're that the team will support the uh, J Ron curse but they're not going to fight the NFL uh if they get offer a four game suspension or, or something like that so my guess is going to be somewhere between two and four games that's my guess Sage Rosenfels, Matthew Collar. Two games. Here. Maybe two, two games. games. Yeah, two games. I, I think two games makes a lot of sense. Probably wouldn't surprise me if it was four, considering that uh, Holton Hill was suspended for four. I mean, that's kind of like the standard, you did something wrong off the field, so you get four. Uh, let's talk more Vikings versus Packers when we come back. Who has a stronger case to win the NFC North? We will discuss when we return here on Purple Daily. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download for this hour. We'll use this download to remind you about our Score North podcast network. It consists of more than a dozen shows from the Score North Twin Show and Raised by Wolves. To the scoop with Doogie and Royce Unchained, you can find a full list of these Minnesota sports podcasts over at scorenorth.com and the free Score North mobile app, or just search Score North, S K O R North, anywhere you find your podcast. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Second down and two. Little flip here to Jones. Gets a block. And Jones out in front. They're trying to chase him down. He's inside the 10, and Jones down the sideline. He is in for the touchdown. 67 yards. Got a key early block, and off to the races he goes. Okay, so earlier on the show, we were talking about 
coaching decisions that are baffling to me. And at the end of that game, Sage, I got a good question from someone on Twitter about it. Um, We're talking about Green Bay. Lost my mind. Yes, Green Bay and Kansas City last night. When at the end of the game, Green Bay needs five yards and they send Aaron Jones out as a wide receiver and the Kansas City linebacker is playing seven to eight yards off of him when a five-yard gain ends the game or a 50-yard gain ends the game. Like, there's no difference. If you get five yards, it's over. If he scores a touchdown, it's over. And a run probably gets stopped and ends up being a, a punt. punt. Right. And it gives the Chiefs a chance, though the odds still probably in Green Bay's favor if they play conservatively, oh, yeah. right? Probably an yeah. 85% chance of winning the game. Probably they, even more. Because if they kneel down, the if they kneel down like the Bears did and punt. <laughs> Kneeling down would not be a good the, idea. The Packers. But, but even if they punted, it's probably a 95% chance because Matt Moore would have to drive the whole field and score a touchdown. Yes. So that would be very hard. But, but, but Green Bay, probably like New England, says, you know what? Let's just end this yes. thing. But can you explain why a linebacker would be playing eight yards or seven yards off of the line of scrimmage when five yards ends your game? Well, I can't. I can explain it as in somebody that so you got to realize this is a defense that is playing man-to-man coverage at the end of the game. Of course, they were probably expecting run as well, but sure. you know, just in case. But yeah, got to play man because you're going to have everybody up in there stopping the run. The strong safety is going to cover the tight end man to man, and which makes when the running back goes out into the you know outside lines like a receiver, which is what uh, the Packers had. The linebacker a linebacker has to remove himself from the box right. and go out there and guard uh, the, the running back Aaron Jones. Then Aaron goes in short motion and sort of gets in this almost a stack formation behind the receiver to that side. And I believe he was bumped or the corner was up close. Well, in those scenarios, defenders are taught to not be on the same level. So it, it plus, of the rub route because right? of the rub stuff yeah. and you can then you can't go over the top and get picked and all these types of things. So they're taught usually to have a separation. So in case Aaron Jones runs a shallow route or, you know, whatever that uh, he can get through his own guy to get there. So they, you know, they usually do that. Now, sometimes at the end of the games, they don't care, but you still can't press a guy who is behind the stationary receiver when they come to a stack formation. So, we, so there's really no point of being at the line anyway, right? Also, you're dealing with a situation where a linebacker who has been picked on repeatedly right. in this football game yes. uh, from those quick out routes, they ran this play like three times uh-huh. in the game to a sluggo earlier, which the linebacker just got toasted on a slant and go, which was a beautiful route and beautiful throw uh, by Rogers. So you have a situation where the linebacker is one not used to playing in space like this. Uh, he um, um, you know, is not used to guarding running backs who come into stack formations and knowing that it's third and five and all these things come into it. Plus he's just, I'm sure just scared of Aaron Jones's speed. I mean, right. he is exceptionally fast. I, I am really, really impressed by this running back as you know, he's got like a Le'Veon Bell thing where you can put him out as a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. He's really good in the backfield. He has a little that Dalvin cook, uh, Big time speed where he can really be a game breaker if he just makes, uh, you know, gets through that line and, and gets through a little bit of that secondary. He has got, he's a really, really good football player. So it was a combination of those things. And now the, the only way to really stop that defensively, obviously, is to have a better linebacker in there, which they must not have. Or number two, like maybe try to go nickel or try to go dime or, or whatever and have more of a secondary player in there. Well, then. You know, Green Bay might just line up and run the football for mm-hmm. for five or six yards and end the football game. So you really can't go dime in that situation. You have to stay some sort of regular personnel, which creates this mismatch. And and you know, really, uh, kudos to Matt Lafleur. 
the head coach for the Green Bay Packers for having enough guts to say, you know what, let's let's throw the football here where you know, to end the game uh, and not leave it up to possibly our defense because they've had it's it listen it's it, you can lose games in the NFL it's amazing that you know we've seen the Packers do it a few times where they're in uh, with you know 25 seconds left backed up in your own end zone uh, mm-hmm. against the Cardinals it was that a playoff game yeah. a few years yep. ago I mean the, the Cardinals, Hail Mary, yep. those that's Hail like Marys, a, I, think. That, I would say it's a 99.8% chance the Cardinals were going to win that game and Green Bay won that game I mean just incredible I think Arizona still won it but Green Bay sent it to overtime oh that's it was. Yeah, that's, that's right. It was. That's right. Yeah. So, but either way, that the you know the Packers weren't going to score from their own five yard line or whatever that was. So the the, the Green Bay you know doesn't leave it up anything to into uh, consideration, and they throw the football and they run a great play that worked a few times in the football game. Okay, let me ask you this before you go: Who is a better football team, the Minnesota Vikings or the Green Bay Packers? On a neutral field, I think they're almost the same. I think the Vikings would win, are going to win at home. And I think that's why Green Bay, uh, you know, you know, won that game at home as well. I actually think that the Vikings are better. I do. I, I think that the early part of the year, uh, Minnesota had some learning curve that, uh, you know, with a young center, the rookie center, mm-hmm. um, with a rookie tight end. Uh, rookie play caller, too. R- rookie play caller. Uh, and I go back and watch the film from the early parts of the year, and it definitely was not as crisp and as precise as things that are, are now. Uh, I, I do think they're better, they're a better team, but, you know, one of those scenarios where if they played 10 times and the Vikings win six. So these are, these are the two teams, I believe, halfway through the season that are going to be, both in the playoffs, and I think they're both going to make a run here. Uh, and the Vikings are obviously one game back, but make a run at this NFC North. I, Chicago, I think, is going to fall out. I think they're going to be a five or six win team. Uh, I think Detroit will end up being probably somewhere around 500, maybe a little bit under. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think this is going to be a two team race, uh, the Vikings and Green Bay. And it'll, it'll probably come down to week 16, week 17. It is very close statistically. Um, by expected points added, the Vikings are fifth on offense and the Packers are sixth. By point differential, the Packers are plus 52, the Vikings are plus 79, but the Packers may have faced a little bit tougher competition seeing as that they just played the Chiefs. And even with our guy, Matt Moore, um, the Chiefs are still a pretty darn good offense. Matt Moore. Hey, he's good. We we called that. Can we just, on Wednesday, can we just get right into Matt Moore's, our journeyman? The whole day is journeyman Because for Matt Moore. Matt Moore is a journeyman. He was. I I went to a, a college world series game with him two summers ago, and he like a, a year, whatever a year and a half ago, and he was retired uh, and done playing football, working for the University of, or, or Oregon State University, and that they were playing the college world series and met up from for a cold one and went to the game, and uh, now he's like out. You know, it wasn't in training camp, no off season. They signed him beginning of the year, and here he is playing really good football. Uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, you know, amazing. And I listen. I saw some. By the way, I saw some video of uh, Patrick Mahomes in warmups. Mm-hmm. It did not look like a guy that was going to be ready to play a real NFL game and run around and do all the things that he sort of jumped so up either. and around a little bit and he was landing on his opposite. Like he landed, he jumped up one time and landed on his right foot. I think he's telling people and they're telling people, oh, yeah, he's way ahead of schedule. Oh, I'm doing great. If it was a playoff game, I'd be playing. I don't think so. Well, I, I, think, I think Matt Moore is starting this week. But some of his value. Is running around. Yes, absolutely. And I don't. From what I saw, he looked very ginger. Yep. Uh, after that game, and and um, so you know, I, I guess we'll see. But I would not be surprised if the Vikings see Matt, see uh, Matt Moore 
uh, on Sunday. So do you think uh, that the Vikings are going to win the NFC North then over the Packers? The Packers have most of their games. It's five out of eight on the road in the second half, which is kind of interesting. That is interesting. Um it might just come down to that Vikings home game. Yeah. Uh, the, the Packers, of course, do have the lead currently. They also just played the Chiefs, which is nice. Um, I'd like to see exactly how their schedule unfolds the rest of the year. I'm, I'm not looking at it per se, but I think it's going to come down to, again, that, that Vikings home game uh, and, you know, possibly like a week 17 game, you know, but um, I like the Vikings chances. I, I like the Vikings defense better. Uh, than the Packers' defense. Yep. Um, of course, the Packers have Aaron Rodgers, and you know maybe that's the difference. But right now, the Vikings' offense looking really, really good, uh, and it should be a, a you know, really fun chase here the last eight weeks of the season. All right, Sage, well, thank you for coming in. Uh, it's great to have you actually in our studios, and I know that uh, we put you up against the whiteboard to explain some Gary Kubiak offense. Yeah, we're so going to put that out on Twitter soon. Yeah, I got three plays. I write 15-week, I write past 15-week, X read Z comeback, and I write past 15-week, X burner, my favorites installed on the whiteboard in there, and and you can see those uh, online right on the Score North dot com when they whenever once, they get those once, things up yeah, at some Seth point edits here. out all of your mistakes yeah so, yeah yes. yeah so you know give it uh <laughs> maybe give it 24 hours or something like that but uh that was a lot of fun and I, i'd like to maybe do a little bit more of that stuff and we see those plays on sunday legitimately and they're, oh, yeah. they're great reads for kirk cousins and he's executing them and and the lines really executing that run game and the fullback is making the quarterback better i'm trying to get them to give us feature the fullback shirts yeah, I like wear. that. That's like the uh, for the brand or whatever, the punning yes. situation. And you know who's McAfee. on tomorrow? Is Lorenzo Neal's going to come on. Oh, really? Yes, the actual Lorenzo wow. Neal is coming on tomorrow with me and Alex Boone. And one, of the all, one of the all-timers. Yes. Yeah, he's going to have some great stories. A necrol hero. Yes. All right, Sage. Well, great stuff. Uh, I look forward to more discussion of Matt Moore and uh, his great journeyman-ness on Wednesday when we get together again, and we'll dive deep into Vikings and Chiefs. So thanks for coming in, and uh, we'll return with Chad Grant to talk a little bit more about the latest from J. Ron Curse, who talked in the locker room today. We'll be right back. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Back here on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, Jonathan Harrison producing. It is just me and Jonathan for Hot Routes later. I feel like our next guest oh, is going to... Oh, well, that's right. Phil Mackey's going to come out. I feel like our next uh, guest is going to be jealous that he is not involved in Hot Routes today. Chad Graff of The Athletic. What's going on, Chad? It's a sad day not being involved in Hot Routes, as always. You'll, you'll get back in in, like, July when I take vacation. <laughs> You get back in that's here. July third, hot routes listeners, just get ready. It's going to be the hottest yeah. of hot routes. That's right, July third. <laughs> get ready. Uh, I'll give you. All right, I'll give you one. I'll give you a hot route right now since you're asking for oh, it. Oh boy. Okay. I got to think of my feet now. Yeah, you do. Uh, that's uh, if people are going to pay for your content, you should be able to handle it. Okay, here we go. John Gruden said facing Deshaun Watson is like playing against Michael Jordan. I want you to give me a football player who was like. Michael Jordan that had that level of dominance and creativity and things like that that was as fun to watch as Michael Jordan. Give me one. Well, I'm biased because I'm a New England guy. I grew up in New England, moved to New England in 2000, which coincidentally is when things started rolling for the greatest football player of all time, Tom Brady, oh. a guy who was so much fun to watch, still is so much fun to watch. The guy's 42 or something like that, and it's still a blast to watch him. With a Thursday night game, I got to sit on my couch yesterday, 
parked it on CBS and watched the Patriots play the Browns, we can discuss creativity and maybe he doesn't run around like Aaron Rodgers, but there's nobody better to watch than Tom Brady, especially in the fourth quarter. See, I don't think of Brady as being like Michael Jordan. I, I think of Brady but, from a, from an accomplishment standpoint. Yes, I think of like Barry Sanders or Randy Moss of people who had these like gifts athletically where no one could tackle them or no one could guard them. Or if it's a if it's a quarterback, you're talking about Watson because you can't take him down. He's he's so creative. With Brady, he's more of like a sniper would be in basketball, right? I'm thinking like game is on the line. You know Michael Jordan is taking the last shot. You still can't stop him. With the exception of the Super Bowl in Minneapolis, you put the game on the line for Tom Brady, you know that the ball is going to be in his hands and there's nothing you can do. He could struggle for three quarters and you give him the ball with one drive to score a touchdown, he's getting a touchdown. Okay, fair enough. Only if he, um, you know, takes a little air out of the football, then then he can do it. Oh, low uh, blow, low <clears throat> blow. Okay, you know I grew up in Buffalo, right? So I don't really like talking about <laughs> cheating Brady. Oh, okay, well, let's move on to the uh, Vikings. You were in the locker room, and uh, J. Ron Curse gave his uh, apology for what happened over the weekend. He was arrested, uh, allegedly with a loaded weapon, as well as under suspicion of DWI. So what did J. Ron Curse have to say? J. Ron apologized, said that it doesn't represent him. He's called it one bad decision, but he also wouldn't go too much uh, into what his next legal move is going to be. He said that he has not yet spoken with Mike Zimmer, which I think is notable, um, but that, you know, he showed up for work today and, um, you know, expressed his contrition a couple of times, stressed that, you know, this is not how he wants to represent the organization and, and said that he feels he lets the fans down a little bit, but uh, also apologized numerous times. And uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see where it goes from here. Yeah, uh, with this one, Chad, I, I feel like uh, J-Ron is young enough to get away with the uh, I'll learn from this type of thing. But it is interesting to me. It sort of brings about that this just doesn't happen to this team very often. I mean, Holton Hill gets the suspension for being the weed guy and then also the PEDs. And the PED suspensions happen here or there to almost everybody, uh, every team. But this uh, particular version of the Vikings under Mike Zimmer, as compared to maybe Vikings um, teams of past, has not had too many legal issues. I was really um, surprised to see it come up over the weekend. Yeah, it is it is rather impressive what they've done. And it's also, at the same time, just one of those things, like in 2019, it would have been so easy to avoid to just yes. call a Lyft or an Uber. Uh, J-Ron was asked about that. His exact quote was, you know, quote-unquote, it's always one of those thoughts, but uh, he quickly transitioned and said, I'd rather not speak about that. I'm truly sorry for what I did and the decision I made, but I'm not going to speak about that. Um, so uh, on the one hand, I think it's commendable that the Vikings of the last few years have avoided much legal trouble and on the other you know this is such an easily avoidable one at 4 a.m on saturday night um which i think is part of why it's frustrating for the vikings talking with chad graff of the athletic who uh, i saw your buddy john krasinski tweet out that you placed third in the beat reporting category for pfwa awards well you know if you're not first you're last i say chad so yeah john didn't mention that only three people <laughs> applied for it so <laughs> Well, congratulations on being uh, in the top three. You get a bronze medal for that, and, and good for you. So uh, give me some reporting on, on Xavier Rhodes here, because um, 
at, we left Thursday night going, you know, this team is good and that's a good win for them. Uh, it's ugly, but who cares? They're in a great spot, but there is just this one issue that is really glaring at the fact that not only is Xavier Rhodes falling apart in coverage, his numbers in coverage are very poor. He's something like 74th out of 81 by pro football focus grades. He's also the second most penalized corner in the NFL, but Mike Zimmer is staying true to Xavier Rhodes. What do you make of that, Chad? To me, that's the most troubling part of it. It's not super surprising that Xavier Rhodes has become sort of a middle-of-the-road cornerback. What is a little bit troubling and is a little bit surprising to me is that Mike Zimmer, the same coach who in February and March said, I'm going to hold this guy accountable. Nobody can make him better but me. I'm the defensive backs guy. This is my job to make him better, has now flipped to, well, what are you guys talking about? He's fine. I can't believe you guys are thinking he gets called for too many penalties. They're not even bad (laughs) penalties. Uh, what do you mean he's giving up a lot of yards? I told him to play off coverage. It's like, well, it was third and two. Maybe don't play off coverage on third and two. Why would you tell him that then? So, you know, I, I don't – Xavier Rhodes is never going to be what he was in 2017, and I think that's okay. I think that you can win with that, especially with the cornerback depth that the Vikings have. To me, though, the issue is just that you have a head coach who, you know, is this no-nonsense, I-don't-take-crap-from-anybody guy, but for some reason – um, seems to let Xavier Rhodes get away with more than most. Don't you think that it has a lot to do with players who he has brought up from being rookies to really good players that it's hard to acknowledge that, and I'll give you another example, it's hard to acknowledge kind of them um, and what they are through clear eyes. The other example I would give you is Anthony Barr, where when I look at Anthony Barr's season, especially in comparison to Eric Hendricks, I don't see a player that is worth the contract that they gave him. And that doesn't mean that Anthony Barr is a bad player or he's been a problem on this defense. It's just when you take the value versus the dollars, it doesn't really add up. And that screamed Mike Zimmer move of him talking repeatedly of how much he needed Anthony Barr, how much he needed Anthony Barr. But then every time Eric Wilson goes in, like, uh, it's still just pretty good, right? And I feel the same way with Xavier Rhodes, where this is a guy who he inherited, who was drafted before he got here, and he worked with and worked with and worked with and made him one of the elite shutdown corners in the league and i would imagine in his shoes it's hard to admit that this just isn't what it used to be no doubt and you can even see that from a human side but the bar thing especially uh is one that i think is no doubt something that zimmer really you know put his foot on for and made sure that he got his way with that 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 one screamed mike zimmer and what is more frustrating with that, I think, if you're a Vikings fan, is not that Anthony Barr is back because he's a great player, but what you could have done with that money, whether it was keep Sheldon Richardson and have just this unbelievable defensive line. Like, imagine this line with Richardson. It, it would be borderline unstoppable with the way that Everson Griffin and Neil Hunter and Linval Joseph um, are playing. But to what we were talking about before with Mike Zimmer, perhaps not always viewing uh, players that he has had for many years in completely fair glasses, which, you know, I think is, is probably Bill Belichick's strength. The, you know, the greatest coach of all time, perhaps one of his best qualities is that he could see when his players were, um, not living up to their contract, even if he had drafted them and groomed them and helped them do everything. Uh, I think you even saw that with Eric Kendricks a little bit. Kendricks is a little bit different, um, but still has been with Mike Zimmer for a long time. And then when he had his, 
best game in a long time two weeks ago. We asked about it, and all Mike Zimmer could think about was that you know he missed uh, some coverage assignments and <laughs> yes. um, some some small things like that. Uh, Chad, as we go into the second half of the season, give me, I wrote my five biggest storylines and I know that you read it, so don't steal any of mine. Right. Um, but what is, what is your number one in terms of storylines for the second half of the season? To me, I, I feel like this is a little bit of a cop out, but it, it has to be Kirk Cousins. We are now officially at the halfway point of his three year contract and what he does, I think, in this second half and potential slash likely playoff run really decides, I think, the fate of, you know, the next five years of this franchise. If it goes poorly, they're going to need to draft the quarterback. If he can somehow keep this four-game streak of playing very well uh, throughout the rest of the season to do it against very good defenses and not just okay to good defenses – if he can actually play well in the playoffs, then you're looking at probably extending him come season end. So it feels a bit of a cop-out to pick the quarterback, but what he does these next 8, 9, 10, however many games, I think really decides where the offense goes over the next five years. Well, And what it's going to tell us, too, is just how much these last four games really meant. Because when I look forward here, we just saw Aaron Rodgers did not have the easiest night beating the Kansas City Chiefs last night, even though they didn't have Patrick Mahomes, and I wouldn't be surprised if they don't have him again. But the Vikings are going to a very difficult place to win with a backup quarterback who can still put up points and lots of weapons. At Kansas City, at Dallas, at Seattle, Green Bay again, even at the Chargers, if they start to turn around the second half of their season, these are all games that are big. These are all games against good teams, good defenses in some cases, good offenses in other cases, and a lot of national TV chat. It's like, if Kirk Cousins wanted to turn around the narrative, he would have designed the second half of the season for himself. Uh, There's like five national TV games on here. Is it four or five? (laughs) At least four. So, I mean, I I think this is set up perfectly for them to have a really good idea of where they want to go with with Kirk Cousins by the end of the season. Yeah, we'll, we'll find out soon if Kirk Cousins' success uh, in primetime on Thursday was because he was playing a horrible Washington team or if, hey, maybe this guy you know can actually play when the lights are brightest. And, you know, to your point, I, I think that it is, you know, probably to the Vikings' benefit that this is the second half of the second season for Kirk Cousins. And by the end of these eight games, you will know 100% what you have with him, good, bad, or otherwise. All right. I will leave you with a Hot Routes style question here, Chad. Who is Two be- in one segment. How lucky am I? Who is better, Green Bay or the Minnesota Vikings? I have gone back and forth on this several times, and I continue to feel like a bit of a homer because every time I keep coming back to the Vikings, even though I think that what the what Green Bay has added to their pass rush is legit, what they found in a running back who you know can also catch the ball and do great things in open space is very much legit. Aaron Rodgers, even though he had some signs that weren't great in the last couple of seasons, is now playing great. I still have a hard time picking against this Vikings roster. I'm a big believer in Kevin Stefanski and everything that he's done. So for now, I'll give the slightest of edges to the Vikings. Yeah, I, I think it's fair to go with the Vikings in part because Green Bay has needed a bunch of breaks in the first half 
to get to where they are. Um, referees, a little help. Last night, Andy Reid, a little help by giving them the Kirk ball Cousins back. A little help. Kirk Cousins, a little help that, that the Vikings easily could have won that game. I would say slight edge Vikings, too, but that game uh, late in the season, Vikings and Packers could mean everything for the NFC North, and I am prepared for this. I, I feel like, Chad, this is... Like these last four games would be kind of like, oh, okay, like bad team. Oh, look, they destroyed them. All right. Well, what do we write now? Uh, the second half of the season will give us plenty of opportunities to write about stuff, I think. Something I'm very much looking forward to. And look at that. What a, what a positive purple daily today. I know, right? Yeah. The people are oh, well, you're so negative. Well, not always. All right. Uh, <laughs> Chad, uh, great stuff. Congratulations on the uh, award again. And you can read Chad's work at uh, The Athletic. Thanks for coming on, man. Thank you. Yep. And uh, those weren't the only hot routes that we're going to have today. We're going to have me and Jonathan some hot routes next. Phil Mackey's going to come in as well. And uh, so we'll have a little fun with some stuff that we saw over the weekend and some other um, just, I don't want to tease anything and ruin it. So NFL questions question for you. and such. Yeah. Were you as disappointed watching that football? Because as I was yesterday, just watching all of the bad just mistakes that we saw throughout the I mean, you guys the talked coaching about decisions. Yeah, the yeah. coaching decisions. It was disappointing that the one Sunday or one of the two Sundays every year that we get that the Vikings don't play, and we had to watch a ton of bad coaching decisions. Well, I mean, yes, there were times where I just could not believe it. And yeah. on my couch, I called the miss. I want to say that, that <laughs> I have a witness. Uh, my wife and I were watching it, and I was like, they're going to miss because this is a harder yeah. field goal than you think. You think it's 40 yards. Okay, no big deal in the Bears game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's 41 yards in Soldier Field, and that kick is about a 70% kick in the NFL, whereas a, if they gained a few more yards by just handing off, they could have increased that to an 85 or 90% kick. And that does blow my mind that there was so many mistakes. I mean, even yeah. Cliff Kingsbury, who's going for it on fourth down, I'm like, yeah, man, go for it on fourth down. Your team stinks anyway. You're in last place. Try to win. <laughs> and then he decides when going for it in at his own 30 or something to bring everybody into the box and then hand it off right up the middle against the defensive line and the Saints that's really good. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, I think what you have in Mike Zimmer is a very good coach who does pay attention mm-hmm. to a lot of these things about how you should manage games. And the only a red check mark on Mike Zimmer for game management. It's not always perfect, but a lot of times I think, well, that kind of matches up or close with the numbers. The only red check mark is the challenges, which he repeatedly gets mad at the referees and decides to throw the challenge flag Just out, out there. Just out of pure anger. But he even did hold off from doing that the other night against Washington. Uh, A, because <clears throat> it was an obvious pass interference on Xavier Rhodes when you whack the guy in the face yeah. as he's coming down, uh, but also because the league doesn't call them anymore. And so at least he he held off there. And in general, you don't see Zimmer punt super often from the other team's 35 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he does go for it a lot on fourth down. He is pretty aggressive. And I, I think he's in the top half with maybe Belichick all the way at the top for those in-game decisions. Um, but it stuck out to me big time, the number of just bizarre things that teams were doing. And and Matt Nagy doing that, if I was in the locker room after that game, I would have been like, you really, man? You really think we we're couldn't do this? You really think in a with a minute and a timeout, so you could do whatever you want here, that we can't get a few more yards and help our kicker out a little bit? Uh, that was a, a big mistake by Matt Nagy. And then Andy Reid is just, he. it's almost like he does it for sport. Like, how bad <laughs> can I mess up this game management? Should I get three yards with LaShawn McCoy, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, 
Should I get Tyree Kill? Should I get three yards? Or should I give it to one of the great quarterbacks in history yeah. and have him run all, all my timeouts and never touch the ball again? Un, uh, kind of unbelievable that you wouldn't pick trying to get three yards when your offense has been rolling. Um, so it stands out, yeah, every week that a lot of these coaches are great with schematics, but not so much with the in-game situations. All right, Phil Mackey comes in next. We will do some hot routes here on the show. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Three! Red, red, red! Red Polly! Blue Poncho! In rapid-fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 Dragon Smoke. It's Hot Routes on Purple Daily. 580! 397! All right, back here on Purple Daily. Phil Mackey, it's been a while since you have been in for Hot Routes. How are you? This is, uh, I feel like this is my second or maybe third time, and it's always the most excited I am for the day. I mean, Hot, hot routes, routes is uh, great. It's taking the Twin Cities by storm. You know, it really is. It's, uh, and it's kind of, we've been in and out of Hot Routes just because of how hectic the season can get. But I felt like today, since there was no Vikings game yesterday, we're kind of kicking things around. This is the perfect time yes. to throw you some things that I thought of yesterday as I was sitting around. Doing nothing. I did write two articles that you could see at scorenorth.com. Uh, other than that, uh, watching football. So ramp it up, Jonathan. Let's go here. Yesterday, Michael Thomas. Let me put my mouth guard in. Hold on. Okay. Remember Michael Thomas? We've talked about him a little bit on the, the station, maybe sometimes because of a certain draft that did not go the right way for the Vikings with Michael Thomas. He has 13 more catches and almost 100 more yards than the next best receiver in both categories this year. And yesterday, he did something that had never been done before. He had more than 10 catches on the exact number of targets. So he's 11 for 11. And, I mean, you never see that. Someone get targeted 11 times and make every single catch. But he did it yesterday. So we make the jokes about Laquan Treadwell and Michael Thomas. They pass on Thomas to get Treadwell. Uh, but Thomas is becoming one of the best receivers of all time, yeah. I think. So, so he, he's on pace for like 150 catches, right? Yes. Something ridiculous. Or no, more than that. He's got um, 70 catches. Yeah, 150. 70 catches. So yeah, around 150. I want you to give me, you and Jonathan, historical comparison. Like who is a similar wide receiver to Michael Thomas? Okay, so I my, where my brain went was... Because so I started reading that you guys sent me these questions. I started reading it, and I was like, "Okay, whoa! I'm in I'm in three fantasy leagues, and I know that he's a stud, but I didn't. It just caught me off guard how far ahead of the rest of the league he is. Oh yeah, and I think that kind of sums up his career and that he is one of the one of the great four year stretches we've seen. But also, you, unless you play hardcore fantasy football, you probably like top of head, top of mind wide receivers. He's not. I don't think he's number one in terms of household name. Um, he also doesn't have like the flashy name that Odell Beckham Jr. has. His sure. name is Mike right. Thomas. So maybe that plays into it. So I started thinking about underappreciated great wide receivers who also were pretty big because he's like six foot three. So um, I went with uh, I went with Andre Reed, your guy yeah, who yeah, spent yeah. fifteen years in Buffalo. I just yep. like a guy great who, player. man, you look and say, wow, that guy was a Hall of Famer, and I don't know if he was properly appreciated in the moment. So that's kind of where my mind went. How about you, Jonathan? I have two here that I couldn't figure out which one I wanted to go with, so I'm going to give you both of them. Sterling Sharp and Marvin Harrison. Sterling Sharp's career ended a little bit too early, yeah. and he didn't have a good quarterback for the first four years of his career, but when he finally got Brett Farvin, his career like it took off from there. He, was, he didn't have a 1,000-yard season's 
He only had two of them in the four previous years, but when he had Brett Favre, he had 1,000 yards every year. And then Marvin Harrison, he also has the great quarterback thing that Michael Thomas has right now, but he was always 100, 100, 100 catches, 1,000 yards every season. Wait, Sterling Sterling Sharp was like Brett Favre's first go-to yeah. target, right? Yep. In like 1992-93, and then, right. uh, then he was gone before the Super Bowl run, if I'm not mistaken. I'm sure they would have, if it was 2019, fused his neck back yeah. on or whatever. It would have <laughs> been right. fine. Like, no, he's good. It won't hurt him. Uh, All right. <laughs> so I, went, out there. I went with Herman Moore. Like Now, I know Herman Moore uh, did not have the same quarterback caliber as Michael Thomas, and that's probably helped. Though even when Teddy Bridgewater was playing quarterback, Michael Thomas was open all the time and unbelievable. And Teddy took the right route in just throwing to him all the time. But Herman Moore was a guy who was on the bigger side, not the fastest, but just caught absolutely everything that went in his direction. And he had that four-year stint where it was 100 catches, 100 catches, 100 catches, set the record at one point with 123 catches, and was just dominant. But never really got like that Hall of Fame conversation. Never really got that superstar wide receiver status that we saw from some other guys in the 90s. So I think, uh, yeah, he's a lot like Herman Moore. Herman Moore, I, I did a quick glance before uh, coming out. I don't even think he's top 20 all-time in yards. Even though he was in, he was sort of the beginning of the passing era in the 90s. Yep. The fact, Scott Mitchell was his quarterback, I think, the year that he broke that record. Yes. So I wonder if you, all due respect to Scott Mitchell, if you would have put Herman Moore's four Do we prime have years, to respect Scott Mitchell? All right, zero due respect to, to Scott Mitchell. <laughs> no respect zero for Scott respect. Mitchell. Scott None Mitchell. whatsoever. You are garbage. Bleep him. If you were to put Herman Moore in his four-year prime with, like, Steve Young in that period oh, sure. or John Elway, yeah. what would his numbers have looked like? I, I can't imagine that, that Scott Mitchell was as precise in targeting Herman Moore as, like, Dan Marino would have been in 1995. Scott Mitchell was awful. And had one good year. Like he's not even a journeyman that I respect. He's just bad. Uh, all right, next hot route. Baker Mayfield called out his teammates after the Browns lost yesterday to the Patriots, saying guys are not focused on their jobs. Uh, this coming from the league leader in picks and a guy oh who God. pitched the ball underhand to a defensive lineman, like right to him. That would be like me playing quarterback in the NFL. I take the snap and I'm like, oh my God. And I throw it to the defensive end. Like, I don't want this. I don't want any of what's coming at me. And that's what Baker Mayfield did yesterday. Um, Where do we think Baker Mayfield's career goes from here? Lay out his trajectory. So I like to reverse engineer these things. What does a franchise quarterback who spends 10 years at the top of his craft look like? And what boxes does Baker Mayfield check sort of parallel to that quarterback? And when I think of, just think of the the guy, not even like forget about Hall of Famers for a second. Just think about the Matt Ryan types even. The guys who aren't going to get to the Hall of Fame, but once in a while flirt with an MVP or win an MVP. Really good quarterback. 10, 12-year guy who leads a franchise. Accountability is maybe the number one thing. Andrew Luck, before he retired, was famous for getting up after getting sacked five times because he has no offensive line, because his front office traded a number one pick, a first-round pick for a crappy three yards per carry running back and no defense, and he would get up to the podium every single week and he would say, hey, this is on me. This is on me. i got to fix a lot of things. i got to be better as a leader, better as a quarterback. And then I'm sure behind the scenes he would go up to the left tackle and be like, you need to be a little better over here and stuff. Baker Mayfield... I don't think he ever looks in a mirror. I don't. I don't. I don't think you can never look in a mirror and also be a franchise leading quarterback. So I would say, I don't know what his career turns into, but it will not be franchise quarterback. Three years from now, he'll be a backup or he'll be playing in like Vince McMahon's XFL or something. <laughs> unless, unless he starts to look in the mirror. 
Jonathan. I think it really depends on who his head coach is next season. I don't imagine Freddie Kitchens is going to keep the job after this year with what he's done yeah. with that team so far. I really think it depends on how good that coach is, that head coach is at leadership. He had Baker Mayfield had the a head coach in college who had that leadership capabilities and could keep him in check. He doesn't have that in the NFL and hasn't had that in the NFL over the past years. If he gets a good head coach, a good head coach that knows offense and can keep him in check, then I think he goes up from here. But if he doesn't, then I think he's a bust. Yeah, circumstances always matter. It's just yeah. the the ability of other people, other teams, media members, whoever it might be, to get in Baker Mayfield's head and his inability to handle his own sort of teammates and be a leader when things aren't going well. Last year when they won a couple of games, it was, oh, Baker, you're the best man. Love that attitude. Do your dance. Uh, But, you know, when things are going wrong and you have this sort of attitude, it stays the same and it doesn't change. You don't take on more of a professional attitude. Then this is what you're going to get. And when everybody knows they can get you, I think it's like a basketball player where if if you're out there and the other team knows you can talk trash and get inside this guy's head, they're going to do it. The whole league's going to know. And that's what San Francisco did to him. They all talked a ton of trash and he didn't play well. And here's the other thing, too, is that I think Baker Mayfield is sneaky a little bit slow on reading some things. And that might be his biggest problem even beyond just his personality is when he was at Oklahoma, he would take the snap and he would stand there and he would stand there and they had five NFL offensive linemen and he had receivers open all over the place. And it was like, well, let's see, I can eat a sandwich and then I can wait for my, uh, you know, guy to run my circus route and get wide open and whatever, which is a route that takes a long time to get open. Uh, you know, and I, whatever, right? Uh, but he doesn't have that now. The, the other thing, too, is in college, when he'd stand back there for a half hour and then, okay, well, now I need to improvise. Yeah, in college, because he's been called an athletic quarterback, but but there's a huge difference between... Well, I ran in college, yeah. and I looked athletic, and I could outrun a college yep. defensive lineman. Yep. In the NFL, he's not fast. Yep. He's not now Russell Wilson fast. Um, I would even argue Mitch Trubisky like pretty fast for an NFL quarterback. Baker Mayfield's not one of the ten fastest NFL quarterbacks. He can't outrun NFL defensive players. And if you're going to roll out all the time, you have to be good at throwing on the roll. And I don't think he really is. I think his career trajectory looks a lot like Jameis Winston, who has done enough for people to go like, okay, I see it. I see why he was the top pick. Let's give him another chance. Like you said, Jonathan, let's give him another coach. He'll be mm-hmm. fine then. Yeah. But I think he doesn't have the mental capacity for it. And I think that his game has a lot of big holes. And I... At this point, I would be surprised if he became a great quarterback. If he became good sometimes, maybe. But great, probably not. Is it possible that like his upside is Doug Flutie? Or just l- later on in his career, he kind of figures it out. And just like when he's 38, finally he's mature. And not that Flutie was immature, but Flutie didn't really do anything in the NFL until he was like 36. Yeah, so. I was thinking maybe the best version of Baker could be like Jay Cutler, where people still kind of hate him, but he yeah, makes... Cutler was physically superior, right? Oh, yeah, bigger, yeah, yeah. Bigger, bigger arm? B- bigger arm, yeah. But just like where no one really likes him still, and yet like he does enough, and if he gets a really great team around him. Yeah. But this is kind of a really good team around him. And both are going to be more entertaining on reality shows than yeah. they are in the actual yes, NFL. that's correct. Uh, Next hot route here for Phil Mackey and Jonathan Harrison. Since we're at the halfway point of the season, I want you guys to give me one team that is good and might not continue to be, and one team that is bad who could end up in the playoffs. And I actually have to change my answer. Wow. 
Well, let me go first so I can change my answer. Okay. My original answer was the Buffalo Bills for a team that could be that is good right now but won't be. And I was like, yeah, this 5-2 and two is kind of a fraud. They've beaten nobody. And then Philly walks in there and runs them out of their own building. They're going to fall apart in the second half. Then I looked at their schedule. Yeah, okay, that's the key. Home against Washington, <laughs> at Cleveland, at Miami, home Denver is their next four games. Yeah. Like, okay, I mean, even... They're going to be 9-2 before they could, you know it. They go Right, they go 3-1, and one, and then all of a sudden they're 8-3, and three, and now the end of their schedule is not easy. they got to go to Dallas, Baltimore, and New England, but they could still end up being a pretty good team and not actually be any good. Their quarterback is bad, their defense is overrated, and yet they've had the easiest schedule of all time. Did I tell you who they beat this year? You want to listen to these wins? This is hilarious. <laughs> uh, they beat Mono Sam Darnold. They beat Eli New York Giants. Cincinnati, Texas Tech, ten- Tennessee with Mariota, and then Miami. And Those South Dakota wins. State. Those Directional Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Western Michigan, Central Michigan. Unbelievable. So I have to change my answer, and I'm not sure who that's going to be for well, the good team that slips okay, back. You, I think it's Seattle. Okay. Seattle 6-2 and two so far this year. So I think the easy answer off the top of people's heads is going to be, well, I mean, San Francisco, 7-0. and oh, They're going to fall off a cliff at some point. Okay, San Francisco has allowed 77 points this yeah, year. Yeah, they're good. That's ridiculous. So even if even if they come back to earth, they're still going to win like 13 games. So my team that's going to come back to earth, I don't know. I, I, Indianapolis is, uh, I would say either Indianapolis or Houston now that J.J. Watt is out for the season. Uh, those are the two teams atop the AFC South right now. But the other team is the one that I'm going to spring on you guys because we just talked trash about Baker Mayfield for, I don't know, like five minutes there. The Cleveland Browns are two and five, but they have this schedule coming up. Okay, I'm going to pick the Cleveland Browns okay. as a team okay. that can still make the playoffs. They play at Denver. They play home against Buffalo. They play Pittsburgh twice, Miami, and Cincinnati both at home for oh, them. Wow! They play okay. Arizona, and then they play Cincinnati again to end the year. The only game in this mix yeah. that I would say is a really tough sledding uh, situation is Baltimore at home in Week 16. Cleveland could legitimately go, so they've got eight games left. Actually, they have uh, nine games left. They could legitimately win six or seven of those to get to eight or nine wins and have a chance at the playoffs. Just going to throw that out there, even though I think Baker Mayfield's garbage. It's crazy how schedule is impacting results this Mm -hmm. year. Teams that aren't even that good, Buffalo's a good example, and Cleveland, you're right. And what will the narrative be? Boy, Freddie Kitchen's got him together. Baker Mayfield really grew up. And it's really just schedule. They played the Bengals. That's what it was. There is some of that to where the Vikings are at right now over the last four weeks. Right? That's true. Kirk sure showed up in primetime. Against Washington, who's terrible. All right, uh, what do you think, uh, Jonathan? I kind of constructed my two teams based off what you guys just said, the schedules. And I'm going with the team to bounce back is the Chargers. They've got the leadership. They've got skill position. They've got guys at skill positions on the offense. And you look at the remaining schedule, they have they have a tough game this coming weekend against the Packers. But after that, it's Chargers, Chiefs, Broncos, Jaguars, Vikings, Raiders, and Chiefs. So they have the Raiders twice, the Broncos, and the Jaguars. Those should be four pretty easy wins that they can get out of that and get back into the winning column there. The team that I'm looking, that I'm seeing that might fall off a little bit because they've got some turmoil around their head coach, their owners saying some random things once again about their head coach, the Cowboys. They're at the top of the NFC East, but you look at the rest of their schedule, they've got the Eagles, they've got the Vikings. They've got the Patriots, and then they got the Bills on a short week four Oof. days later. Mm. They're at Foxborough, and then four days later, they're back at home for the Thanksgiving Day game against the Bills. 
I think they have a really tough schedule, and because of the turmoil around their head coach and the owner not fully supporting him, it seems like, I think they could fall what off. What do you mean the owner supports him? He said uh, Jason Garrett's a Super Bowl-caliber coach. Yeah. Actually, he's just setting him up to fire yeah, him later by exactly. setting that bar. But. Um, it just... It is interesting that that NFC East, even though as much as Philadelphia looked like a bus fire, yeah. like they're a half a game out right now, and yes. schedule is going to determine that this is the year of the schedule. Like if you've got a tough schedule, then you're in for it, and if you have an easy schedule, you can be a complete fraud in this league this year because there are so many awful teams. All right. Um, so speaking of awful teams, who's going to be the coach of the Jets next year? It is not going to be Adam Gase. No, it is not. <laughs> It is not. There's a couple just amazing whiff hires happening, right? Like Freddie Kitchens is a whiff hire. Adam Gase is a whiff hire. So let me just say something real quick about Adam Gase. That last year, Miami came here in Kevin Stefanski's first game and played one of the worst coached football games ever when they still had a chance to be in the playoff race last year under Adam Gase. And Mike Zimmer, three or four different times, made little side comments about how Miami didn't even look like they game planned. He was like... (laughs) And, and he had a great game against Miami, but they didn't know what they were doing. And it was like, <laughs> someone else hired this guy? And, and that's not even to mention the kooky press conference where he's watching a taco float around the room or whatever. <laughs> but like, I feel like it's, it's more of a referendum on how terrible Miami's franchise has been that he can be in Miami... And just gets a complete free pass for everything that happened oh, yeah. in Miami because, yeah. oh, it's Miami. I mean, this poor guy, let's get him out of Miami and let's see what he can really do. It's like, no, he was you see, part um, of the problem. The stat that he has more in his career as a head coach, more double-digit losses than wins. Wow, that's <laughs> impressive. This, here's another referendum. If you are Peyton Manning's position coach, right, because he was the quarterback's coach for Peyton Manning when Peyton Manning threw yeah. 55 touchdowns in Denver, it's like that is always the worst hire. If you take a legend and uh, uh, Ben McAdoo, right? Ben McAdoo yeah. wasn't that Rogers's uh, quarterback coach? If you're, if you're, if it's proximity to a legend, make sure you vet that out. If you're, if well, I mean, he was linked to Peyton Manning, yeah, but like, okay, how far are we going to take that? There was a ball boy that played catch with Peyton Manning. Like, let's make him <laughs> the quarterbacks coach. It's ridiculous. So, who's coaching the Jets next year? All right, I think the Jets. So Todd Bowles for them was kind of a whiff, at least in terms of like they. It was three years and done. They've gone with the hot coordinator guy or the the young guy with upside. I think they're going to go opposite here. And I'm going to say Mike McCarthy. Ah, That was my pick. Mike McCarthy. And plus, they're going to say, all right, Mike McCarthy had success with a West Coast college quarterback. Bring him out to a cold weather city. Same thing with Sam Darnold. I think Mike McCarthy is the opposite of what they've been hiring in recent years. And they will look to go experienced veteran coach. Okay, I'm going to go with Kevin Stefanski. I, I, yes, I, I think that I, I, I think that there will be a handful of potential jobs out there. Um, maybe even Chicago. Now that would be an interesting one for Kevin Stefanski. He could coach uh, Tom Brady with he, the Bears next here's year. Here's why, great. though: if he goes into that meeting with uh, whoever owns the New York Jets, and he says, "I want to show you guys some videotape." Here's Kirk Cousins under John D. Filippo. Ah, oh, what am I doing? Throw it backwards on purpose. <laughs> 
Here's Kirk Cousins with me. All these throws down the field. Look at these plays. Look at these throws. Do you want that for your young quarterback? Or do you want Mike McCarthy throwing drag routes over and over again? You tell me. And then he slams the door, walks out, puts on the sunglasses. No offense to Mr. Stefanski, but could you imagine him being the head coach? Exactly the opposite kind of guy. Does he light a cigarette too after that? Yeah, exactly. Could you imagine him as the head coach of a New York football team? (laughs) Well, we said that about Pat Shermer. It's worked out great. Yeah, Yeah, so well. So so good. Really good. Poor guy. Excellent. Poor guy. I still like Daniel Jones. I think he's... Got potential. So, um, so I said Mike McCarthy. Touchdown. You said Kevin Stefanski. I stole your answer. Yeah, it looks mine like- was Mike McCarthy. I looked up who were the odds-on favorite were this last winter. Bruce Arians, Adam Gase, Eric Bieniemy, Matt Lafleur, Mike McCarthy, Jim Caldwell, or Pete Carmichael. Okay. Jim Caldwell should be. An it NFL seems like a fit coach. for Jim Caldwell, yeah. doesn't it? Eric Bieniemy, man. So I, I, I was, uh, I covered the Vikings from like '07 to '09 as just a young, mm-hmm. a young uh, Phil Mackey, football Phil Mackey, and Eric Bieniemy was Adrian Peterson's position coach. Oh. Yeah. And Eric Bieniemy would light up Adrian Peterson every single play in practice That's for crazy. something. Like he, his his whole mission was find something to knock Adrian Peterson down for. And he's actually, I mean, he's come through the ranks the last fifteen years, and he's got he comes from the and I think he comes from the Andy Reid tree. Yeah. Um, so Eric Bieniemy, he's probably going to get a, that, a look that's at a good some pick. point. You know why I like Eric Bieniemy is because I like uh, '90s scat backs yes. as much as I like journeyman quarterbacks and fullbacks <laughs> like Glenn Milburn. Like, yeah. Give me uh, oh, who the Vikings had a great one. It was um, uh, the Vikings had David Palmer. David who was kind David of a, he was a kick returner yes. guy, and there was another guy who was Ampley. Ampley. Ampley was fantastic. Yes. All right. Last one. Uh, John Gruden coaching against Deshaun Watson yesterday, who got kicked in the face and couldn't see when he threw the game-winning touchdown. What? Amazing. He's my favorite to watch in the league, and apparently is John Gruden's too, because John Gruden compared him to playing against Michael Jordan. Give me a football player who you think would have been like Mike to play against. And I'll tell you, Chad Graff was on earlier, and he begged for a hot route. So we gave him this one, and he's like, oh, no, Brady, because I'm from New England. So, okay, thanks, Chad. I know. Thanks for chiming in, the buddy. The lamest hot route answer of all time. So, so you can beat that pretty easily. So I think of this in terms of the the Michael Jordan quality is they're so good, you can he, he can basically tell you what he's going to do, and it doesn't matter. You can, you can know it's coming. He's still going to get the shot off. And he's still going to dagger you. And three guys came to mind in the last 10 or 15 years. Michael Vick in the early 2000s. Great answer. He's going to run the ball and you know it and it doesn't matter. And the Vikings experienced that in overtime in 2001. I would say there was a two-year run of Colin Kaepernick, too, running read option where his speed, his laser arm. And then the other guy, this was like a three-year flash of greatness as a kick returner. Dante Hall. Oh, yeah. with Was it Kansas City? Maybe the Rams. Kansas City, yeah. Kansas City, he was, he, I don't know, he had like 12 kick returns for a touchdown, punt returns, and he looked like a joystick out there. You knew exactly he, he wasn't going to call for a fair catch. He was going to run around, and you couldn't tackle him. So, those three guys. Mine is LaDainian Tomlinson, basically for his entire career in San Diego, not the New York Jets version of him, but mainly 2003 when he had the 1,600 yards rushing and the, the 100 catches. He averaged 5.3 yards a carry and then seven point or 6.3 yards of reception. The dude was unstoppable. You knew the San Diego offense was going to go through him, and you just couldn't stop him. That's because he had Lorenzo Neal, who's going to be on the show tomorrow. Wow. Yeah, Road grader. talked about that. Uh, I went with one year of RG3, because I think this is a... You could have a one-year answer that it was like playing a Michael Jordan for a year, and not his whole career. Uh, he ran for 815 yards and yeah. threw for 3,200 
And only through five picks, 20 touchdowns that year, eight yards an attempt, 102 quarterback rating. I mean, a guy who is launching the ball down the field successfully, running for 800 yards. If he had continued to do that for his whole career, he's one of the best quarterbacks ever. It's just that, you know, knees are a thing. I thought you might say a Nick Foles with his one year under Chip Kelly. Remember Nick Foles threw like 27 touchdowns and two interceptions? He had the highest quarterback rating of all time. I also said Barry Sanders, like where Michael Jordan did things that were so outrageous that you just have to go back and watch them. And even now, when Randy Moss or Barry Sanders highlight reels come up, Deion Sanders, same thing. I will watch the whole thing every single time. Yeah. If it's like, and they'll do it all the time. Oh, it's Randy Moss's birthday. Let's watch nine minutes of Jeff George firing bullets 40 yards down the field. Like, okay, I accept. Uh, Same thing with Barry Sanders. So, I I mean, Deshaun Watson is starting to put together something special. By the Uh, way, uh, you mentioned, mentioned, uh, was it... um I don't think Barry Sanders has one of these, but Deion Sanders does for sure. Peyton's Place on ESPN Plus. Yeah. Yep. Okay, those episodes are amazing. I binged like three of them this weekend. He sits down with like Brett Favre. Him and Brett Favre are driving around in a Cadillac with the roof down just around Green Bay while people hoot and holler at him telling football stories. Have you seen Deion his, Sanders um, has one. Have you seen his detail? Have you watched yes. any of those? Those are yes. super good. Where Kobe he just, does it like, too. points out a bunch of interesting little minute things about quarterbacking that's really good. So yes. thank you, Phil, for coming in. You'll be back in 14 minutes. Gerson Rosas at 420 today Ooh, on the okay. show. Okay, All right, great start for the Wolves. Uh, when we come back, just a little brief preview of the week it's vikings and chiefs and now it starts to get real we'll be right back here you listen to purple daily on score north jonathan here with this hour score north download with the packers at seven and one the vikings at six and two it looks like those two teams will be fighting it out for the nfc north so we're asking you over at score north on twitter at sko north on twitter who you think will win the nfc north here's what sage rosenfeld said earlier today on purple daily On a neutral field, I think they're almost the same. I think the Vikings would win, are going to win at home, and I think that's why Green Bay, uh, you know, you know, won that game at home as well. I actually think that the Vikings are better. I do. I, I think that the early part of the year, uh, Minnesota had some learning curve that uh, you know, with a young center, the rookie center, mm-hmm. um, with a rookie tight end. Uh, rookie play caller, a, a too. rookie play caller, uh, and I go back and watch the film from the early parts of the year, and it definitely was not as crisp and as precise as things that are, are now. Uh, I, I do think they're better; they're a better team. But you know, one of those scenarios where if they play ten times and the Vikings win six, so these are these are the two teams I believe halfway through the season that are going to be both in the playoffs, and I think they're both going to make a run here. Uh, and the Vikings are obviously one game back, but make a run at this NFC North. And it'll, it'll probably come down to week 16, week 17. And that's been your score on download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. If you missed any of that, I'm sure Jonathan told you, but I'll remind you to get it uh, wherever you get your podcast. Just type in Purple Daily, give the rating, give the review, all those things to help other people find our show. Uh, before we wrap up for today and hand it over to Mackie and Judd with Rami, who I know will be talking a lot of Timberwolves, off to a great start, 3-0 and for the Wolves, uh, I did want to discuss briefly the outlook for this week, which is just... Is Mahomes playing? Like that's every every day is just Mahomes. <laughs> uh, is he playing? I don't know. Is he playing? Maybe I don't know. We'll see. So that's like every week or every day this week. And I think it's going to be Matt Moore, but we will see when we get to uh, Friday. Also, I wanted to mention um, the trade deadline is now. It is, used to be a week six, and nothing would ever happen. 
And now we've gotten to the point, and this is exciting to me, where trades actually happen. And I like that. But um, today there was a weird one. The Jets traded Leonard Williams, their first-round defensive lineman, to the Giants, who didn't need any more <laughs> mediocre, high-draft-pick defensive linemen. It's kind of a strange trade, and they're not really in win-now mode, so maybe they want Leonard Williams to sign a long-term contract extension. I don't understand that move. But I got a few questions, as one does, mm-hmm. about whether the Vikings would be active at the trade deadline. And... Well, here's the issue. They have no cap space still. I mean, they haven't had any cap space in a really long time uh, since they signed Kirk Cousins, really. And they still don't have any cap space. So uh, Ben Gessling from the Strib had this, that they have $750,000 of cap space. They would have to get very, very creative to make some type of move. Now, they uh, are getting Holton Hill back, so they've got depth at the cornerback position Josh Doxson could come back. Um, Chad Beebe could come back. So they don't necessarily need anything at uh, the wide receiver spot. I mean, they could add, I guess, a depth wide receiver, but they don't have to. And even on the offensive line, I think a couple of weeks ago I would have said, boy, they should really go hard after Trent Williams, who now Washington has finally decided they're going to trade, according to, you know, whatever, all the reporters who report this stuff. They had... They finally, like it took them all off season where he said, not playing for you guys. Like, I think you will. He's like, no, not playing for you guys. But come on, come on, Trent Williams, not playing for you guys. So they finally figured that out. And he's on the trade block. I would have been all about trading for Trent Williams, but Riley Reef has played well. And I also don't know how to make that work. The interesting one would be if someone called and asked about Xavier Rhodes, whether the Vikings would make that move. I don't think that they would. Because you're not getting a very good price for him at this point. If someone's doing it, it would be like Kansas City saying, we are desperate, we will give you a fifth-round pick for Xavier Rhodes. And if you're the Vikings, if I mean, if it's me, i probably say yes and just take the pick yep. and move Mike Hughes and Holton Hill into that spot because Xavier Rhodes has played like a replacement-level player, so you might as well get a draft pick for a replacement-level player. You have to look at guys for what they are and not what they used to be. And I think the Vikings look at him still as for what he used to be. But then again, you don't really want to be giving away cornerback depth at any point. And so I I just have a really tough time seeing them making a trade. I would love it. I love trades, but I can't see it. All right, Mackie and Judd with Rami is coming up next. We've got a lot of stuff this week that'll be plenty of fun. Courtney Cronin, Alex Boone, Lorenzo Neal is going to join us to talk about the resurgence of the fullback Tomorrow, a lot going on there. Um, Wednesday, it'll be Sage to start previewing, um, you know, Vikings and Chiefs. So, a lot coming up this week. We will talk to you tomorrow here on Purple Daily. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup. So, you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. 
Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.